This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Look at the team, look at the opportunities to learn because this is everything is about learning. And growth magic specifically, you need a product that is marketable if you have <laughs> if you have a bad product. There is nothing we can do. I'm an analyst and I couldn't fix a broken game. So this is why we need a good product, good team, opportunity to learn and opportunity to also fail in that sense. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing here at Stormaven. And today, I'm really excited to have here with me Ivan from Superscale. He's the CEO and co-founder. How are you? Very good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good today. Um, where are you based? Where are you uh, calling from? Uh, well, that's uh, that's a story behind that. Uh, but currently, we're based in Central Europe, uh, in Bratislava. But the company was actually founded in Nordics. So, uh, so first two years in Sweden, then Finland, and actually uh, two years in London. Uh, and then even my daughter was born there. I thought that I'll I'll be I'll be a Londoner for the time being. Uh, but as I went to visit my parents. Uh, to you know, to show the granddaughter for the first time last March, you know, we landed uh, in uh, in Bratislava, and 48 hours later, you know, lockdown, global pandemic. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> or airports closed. London, literally the worst place to be at the time. So I'm like, okay, I'm guess I guess I'm back uh, in Slovakia uh, again. So so got kind of stuck. Uh, but we have a we have a big team there, so over 60 people at this point. So. It was also nice to be uh, with our with our main office. So uh, it has its uh, it has its pros as well. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm sick and tired from these. There, there's a new variant now. Uh, everybody's talking about. I hope it it will end sometime, um, but uh, we'll see. So you want to uh, tell us a bit about Superscale and what you guys uh, do? Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, like our mission at Superscale, uh, we scale the games to their maximum business potential. Uh, so our our specialty. Or, or kind of our insights uh, that, that we find out of so my whole career as a business analyst, uh, especially working with games, is that uh, the industry is so fast-growing and complex that there's no such thing as a perfectly optimized game. Uh, any game from where top 1,000, top 100, top 10 grossing uh, can be more successful and, and better optimized for growth. And this is where we step in. We, 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 are, we holistically look at the whole game and its business model and find out what are the quickest uh, ways how to how to get the more business performance out of title, uh, whether on the top end, middle, or, or, or the bottom end of the funnel? So, this is something we can we can, we can discuss. Cool. And which type of games uh, do you guys work with usually? Is it like uh, mid-core, hardcore, hyper casual? Yeah. So actually, it's uh, like nowadays is uh, anything from really hyper casual uh, to casual, casual mid-core uh, to hardcore. 
Um, the platform, there is also a bit of an evolution when I started uh, when I started working with games uh, eight, eight and something years ago. Actually, we started with Facebook and web-based games, then transitioned into like a, let's say 50-50 mobile and PC console, also like a bigger, bigger titles there. Um, and uh, then it became whatever 95% mobile because of the pure growth. Uh, but actually this year with the uh, with the with the kind of uh, craziness around the NFTs and also the changes within the mobile gaming ecosystem, uh, we see web-based games are getting a bigger portion also in our portfolio and way how to how to grow. So uh, so yeah, we were actually throughout the history, I would say most of our, our work was on mobile, uh, it was something around, but see right now uh, web as a, as a fast-growing platform thanks to uh, NFT and crypto games. Awesome. So today we want to talk uh, about two things. Uh, the first is uh, a methodology uh, to maximize a game's business potential and, and its growth. Um, and the second topic is uh, optimizing in-app purchases and monetization in general, uh, again, to, to increase growth. Uh, so let's start with uh, with the first topic. So can you describe like in, in general terms, like your methodology of, or how you approach um getting and starting to work with a new game and, and trying to uh, identify how to grow uh, the game in the best way possible? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So so something maybe I would, I would start with describing like what's the, the usual way how we see uh, uh, game companies approach and publishers approach this, this kind of a topic. Um, what we usually see is is a still kind of a pretty, pretty big disconnect uh, between let's say user acquisition and growth themes. And their way how they how they look at the, the game's potential and role opportunities and the product teams. Uh, so so you can see it uh, something that we talk about uh, also how they manage their data, how they approach uh, their uh, their priorities uh, and so on. And this is where we also see a lot of a lot of ways how it could be done better. So 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 one thing too if you if you look at games as a business model and look at from the point of of, of players life cycle. So first of all. Obviously, top end of the funnel, uh, you need to get the player in some way, uh, probably through some uh, paid user acquisition campaign. So you show them some ads, some of them will click, some of them will go to the store page and install the game. And <laughs> some of them will even find the icon later and start it, right? And start actually playing. But we already have, have multiple steps uh, to look at and optimize uh, even, even before the, the player actually started the game. And obviously, uh, so this is what, what I would call the top end of the funnel optimization, and this is the usual focus on UA, uh, UA, ASO uh, related topics. Uh, then transition to uh, to the kind of a middle of the funnel, which uh, actually starts, uh, or, or I would describe it starts with your first session, and then progress uh, from the early up to the game, uh, probably towards the first conversion to a purchase to. Or to actually, uh, after onboarding finishes, you're able to interact with the game mechanics. You are able to progress somewhere, and obviously, as you uh, as you uh, as you consume more and more content, uh, you some of the players will end up uh, as uh, end game uh, players, and this is the kind of a bottom end of the how to optimize the players who consume all the content and are just waiting for you to give them something more, or uh, and so on. So, so this is the way how to how. How we think about uh, the game, and this is also some some uh, some parts of the funnel uh, how how you should how we think uh, you should think about it. And uh, what we usually see is that there is not 
uh, something that we see let's see be lacking is usually there's not a one person or department that looks at the whole parts you you, you have a, you have your growth department looks at first first couple steps of the funnel you have the product team which again sometimes that they focus maybe too much on the end game players and and churning out uh, producing more and more content uh, and uh, maybe the the new players suffer because the game gets more complicated and the onboarding is is more funneled and also uh, especially if you're running the games for multiple years uh, what about those <laughs> those players in between right uh, uh, and how to create the contents uh, somewhere in the mid game so 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 this is something that uh, that that you should be always mindful how how does this whole uh, game uh, business fit together yeah, I think something really interesting in terms of challenges, uh, spe- especially looking at the top of the funnel, and also for these first, uh, there's new, the, these new players, and basically personalizing the experience for them is uh, the lack of user level data, which you get today, especially in the iOS uh, ecosystem with uh, the ATT framework and the deprecation of the IDFA. Um, so, how do you approach these challenges? Let, let's start from acquiring new players and quality players. Like in the past, game UA teams were extremely reliant on lookalike audiences and using user-level data and reporting it back to the ad networks to signal to these networks, hey, I want more of these kind of players after they, you know, made an in-app purchase or did something valuable or a proxy of value within the game. So how would you approach this challenge today where you're responsible of finding these quality players yourself? That's obviously, uh, I wouldn't say like a billion dollar question, but even like whatever, fifty billion dollar question. <laughs> That's really. <laughs> you look at some of the some things on that. So, so obviously, it's worth uh, worth uh, to, to to looking into. And and this is what I also love about kind of this industry that uh, you know it absolutely evolves. Uh, you cannot really you cannot really rely on something that worked whatever, even six months ago or a year ago to be working for five years uh, and change, right? So, so. Uh, so, so the way so we see this uh, this 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 way how to look at uh, this this problem in a couple of ways. So uh, first on them is uh, also like fortunately we're still not in let's say offline uh, advertising and you know kind of evaluating. The good example is buying billboards, right? Like uh, obviously, I think generally because how how the data. And user-level data was easy to get and uh, I'll say easy to evaluate. I think it it showed in the way how the UA growth uh, team and methodology was structured and extremely heavy reliant on this fact. So so other ways how to require players were kind of let's say not prioritized. So 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 there weren't that many marketers that relied on something else than than just a couple of uh, of uh, of uh, networks that they could they could run this. Uh, these campaigns and exactly compute the ROAS and didn't really investigate uh, some other channels, including whatever TV offline, uh, didn't really investigate other platforms. So, so the model was so dominant that 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 you've seen that the uh, web was kind of in behind. Uh, by the way, how right now you have you have this kind of a data scarcity, and apparently it will be just worse. Uh, you need to kind of challenge it uh, or, or cope with it in, in a couple of ways. So first of all, fortunately, you still get some amount of user-level data based on the players who give consent to you and to the, to the network you, uh, you use. So this is nice. Uh, obviously, you know, it's not, unfortunately, it's not like 90 or 80%. It's, you know, uh, it ranges 
from from whatever 10 to 25, I guess, uh, depending on uh, depending on the game and the audience. Uh, but still, you have some you have some let's say baseline to work with. Then uh, you need to look at you know what's the game we are talking about. Is it like uh, a game which relies extremely heavy on top spenders, the kind of a, let's say, social casino or, or hardcore uh, game, which absolutely was uh, was reliant on very efficient lookalike audiences and and an ability of, I don't know, a Facebook, Google, USC, and this kind of a network to find uh, to find this, uh, this 0.1% of payers that will you know, pay for the rest of it. And then we see that these kind of games uh, took the biggest hit so far because obviously it's it just got so so, so much less effective um but on the other side if your game is getting more to the you know mid-core casual mid-core hyper casual and, and something in between uh you're still uh, and you, and you do not rely that heavily on this on this on these top spenders here yeah you have a healthy uh, like uh ad monetization you have healthy distribution of, of your pairs uh you still can work quite well with this uh, with this uh, model, which obviously you need to enhance and kind of extrapolate uh, and get some assumptions. So your 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 modeling is obviously got got a bit worse and less reliant, but still uh, you can work with it and scale game. Maybe you took some hit in the efficiency, but it's not uh, it's not uh, like that dramatic as you could see in some uh, in some in some other segments. So, so yeah, uh, definitely uh, you need to think about how uh, you need to think about your game and how much you are reliant, especially on the top spenders, to to approach your user acquisition strategy and evaluation. Yeah, I think that if I can imagine like a matrix and like one one scale is basically where you are in terms of hyper casual and hardcore. And also another scale is how do you monetize? Like, is it based on in-app purchases or even, subs- I mean, some type of game subscription or something really, really uh, specific? Or you monetize through ads and you're a hyper-casual game and most of the monetization happens in the first 48 hours or so um, after the user has opened the, the, the game. So the more you're in that realm of hyper-casual monetized by ads, uh, the better you are because you're you're still aiming for a really, really broad audience. Basically, everybody almost these days is a potential player, uh, as opposed to the other side of that matrix, <clears throat> which is uh, uh, what do these guys do uh, these days? How do they still find these big spenders? What kind of work uh, uh, would you recommend these folks do? So one way how to uh, one way how to look at it. Uh, so, so the I, I would say there are two yeah there are two problems with this <laughs> uh, with this so so one is uh, actual evaluation so properly uh, properly figuring out uh, what is the true ROI on your on your budget spend because obviously you cannot really pair it uh, that efficiently anymore uh, but the second problem is the performance of the channels as, uh, themselves which you know the the evaluation. Itself, obviously, it's a it's a bit of a problem if you need to build a business case from your CFO or from your investor to <laughs> to uh, to pull more money into the channels. You should you should have really compelling uh, uh, compelling model that uh, this actually works. Uh, but again, what we're talking, we th- there are ways how to do it, how to have some kind of a blended or 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 uh, kind of a, uh, a method which borrows. Uh, 
or which borrows the way how we would evaluate offline campaigns or TV, billboard, this kind of stuff when you're looking at that, okay, how much bigger is my revenue in this particular region and channel and platform compared to uh, to the point where I was running the campaign, right? So you can, you can even without attribution, you can assume some of some, some effect there. And if you enhance it with this, whatever 10, 20% uh, players that you can attribute and, and you know, they are, they are not uniform, you can, can get some idea how it works. But I think what the bigger problem is actually the lack of effective optimization and local like audiences. And, and, and this is what, what is the, which is the tougher problem to solve because you're so dependent on the, on the algorithm uh, of 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 you know Facebook UIC that you know they are able to cope with this uh, with this with this data loss to build the profiles to go after. So so what we've uh, so what we usually see that you need to uh, you need to probably go a bit wider uh, with your approach and do this campaign mix where you would you would add you know multiple channel multiple points online offline do some kind of a test that is localized and try to evaluate it uh, based on the uh, based on uplift. But again, this is something that usually bigger games with some IPs, with bigger budget even for testing, uh, are able to do because again, you need to invest quite a bit to see uh, to to get some, something significant. So actually, the small to mid-sized games uh, that relies uh, that relied heavily on lookalikes and and stuff are, are really a real hit and it's not it's 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 not an easy way out uh for, for these guys the the way how to go about it is really out of the box and and uh, try to go the way how some of the bigger publishers go uh try to go back to web where you can you can do some stuff or you can at least uh, at least evaluate it or try to try to think about again some other parts of the funnel so so is it possible that i could uh, could get the signals or monetization signals earlier uh, and help the algorithms optimize better? Am I able to tune the first 24, 48 hours uh, uh, so that I have higher chance to convert the players? Some of the games, yes. Some of them, which it takes you easily a week <laughs> to finish the onboarding, uh, it's are, are in a tough spot uh, scanning-wise. So, 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 yeah, I don't think that every uh, every game is unfortunately the, the games were hit in different times and some games have much much higher harder times to to solve all these issues at, at, at their store yeah from things that i'm hearing uh, there's a lot of teams that are taking an approach which is i call it the sub publisher optimization approach it's ba- basically looking at the value uh in a bit we'll talk about data and where this data is coming from but looking a bit about um, the value that users that come in from different sub-publishers, different source apps to your product page through ad networks, usually. Um, How the value um, of users from each app is different. And then try to identify um, the contextual buckets of, of source apps that have a really good affinity with your game. So for example, you might discover that these big spenders are usually coming in after they played uh, games from a different category or a subcategory. And if they played that, if they play that game, there's a very high chance that they would be uh, top spenders in your game. Uh, and it's basically like changing the responsibility. Like as you said, everything is changing in, in our industry so fast. And in the past few years, it was the role of the ad network 
especially the self-attributing networks like Facebook, uh, to find you where these big spenders are. Now the responsibility has shifted and it's now on the, these UA teams, these marketing and growth teams to uh, find where, where are these users? Like, who are they? That, that's a question that it's kind of crazy to think about, but nobody thought about it in the past few years. Who are these lookalike audiences? Like if you would put them in a room, would you be able to categorize them to understand who they really are? And now they have to ask these questions and find them where they spend their time. And uh, one of the ways to do it is to find other games from these contextual buckets. Like maybe there's a, a high affinity between hidden object to match three, uh, specific IPs. If somebody's uh, playing a game with a specific IP from, I don't know, the Marvel Universe, and you have a game that has some mentioning of the Marvel Universe, maybe there's a high affinity there. And then to try to target your UA uh, uh, campaigns like that. So that's another approach that I'm hearing about. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about data because because you you also mentioned uh, to me before we started uh, the um, the methodology of management of of basically the business data and and it's a really really big issue these days with data being scattered, the data from MMPs being less reliable with uh, the deprecation of of the IDFA. Uh, data even coming from SK Ad Network, from from Apple, um, their own attribution solution. So, what's your methodology to basically create a place or or a BI system for um, teams to understand how their top level KPIs change uh, and how they might influence them by changing the marketing input, as you said, like increasing budgets, changing creatives, doing any changes. Yeah, so uh, this is kind of my my favorite topic because ultimately it goes that goes to the to the, to the kind of the crux of the problem because obviously uh, you can uh, ultimately your goal should be yes I'm going to improve the game or I'm going to do some business decision I'm going to increase budget uh, or some or some campaign <coughs> or decrease vesi uh, and perform but the thing is that to make this decision so many things can go wrong starting with the quality. Uh, uh, of the data you're dealing with, continuing with the, with the some, some problems that you may have uh, with um, acquiring the data, interpreting the data, and making the correct decision on top of that. So there's actually a long way uh, to <laughs> that that can go wrong. And you know, being a business analyst uh, trait, it, it makes you super paranoid, uh, especially in any kind of insight that you get. It's you know, it's when it's usually you know extra extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. So sometimes. And, and especially in this industry, you know, when when a teams of you know uh, tens of people are able to make and manage game, which is played by tens and hundreds of millions of players around the world, um, your intuition doesn't necessarily work or scale uh, that much. So sometimes, uh, sometimes you just cannot believe what you're seeing, and you know, sometimes yeah, the errors in data. Sometimes yeah, actually those <laughs> you do not truly understand why some players. Uh, you know, love data. I, I love this example from Hillclimb Racing that we did. Our partners have figured out that we've, for a long time, there was this notion that, you know, interstitial ads or more interstitial ads will kill retention and, you know, decrease the user performance, uh, user experience, and, and so on and so on. So I was very cautious about implementing them. Uh, but still, at some, at some levels, we, we've run some tests how to increase the the frequency of, of ads, especially after this change that, that made it kind of more uh, after you finish the race, you get this like a, like an ad break and you continue further. And it actually turned out to be a 
super super weird results because we were seeing some crazy stuff like when we increase the frequency of of ads we've seen uh, improved retention uh, in long term and you know milk racing is a it's a franchise which is uh, downloaded by 1.6 or 8 billion times at this point so you have a ton of players to test some changes and you know it was it was statistically significant everything but nobody believed it so even me like i oh, know it's possible that there's some problem with the <laughs> with the test so let's rerun it again and i think we ran it for like a year and four iterations to, to find out if, if it's like that and and ultimately we found out like yeah for whatever reason <laughs> we are able to increase uh the interstitials without getting hits on reviews or or retention and, and how, do, how really, do you how do you explain that like what what happened there just interesting uh so ultimately uh ultimately uh ultimately <laughs> okay if, if you'll be very if i would be very honest ultimately you can never know but our hypothesis at the end was that hey actually uh players after they finished a race or lap of the race they they actually liked having a bit of a time off before the next um, next round to I don't know uh, get a you know bit of a wind down after uh, after uh, after let's say this intense session or intense this portion of time so could be connected with that could be something different uh, hard to say but but again it's 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 how you handle the data and how you interpret it and how how paranoid you are I think this is how successful your growth strategy so coming back to your own question. Uh, first of all, what we've what we've seen uh, what we've seen is a big problem is the disconnection within uh, where you where you actually store data and where you have it. If you look at the growth teams, they they many times they optimize or generally how how it works usually by devices, not necessarily by players, by devices, which again has some has some advantages how to deal with that because if you're if you're handling a big portfolio, I don't know. I'm, I'm managing UA for 20 games, you know, across whatever 50 platforms, uh, mobile web, and so on. It gives you some some framework how to work in different kind of games and how to do some 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 bigger decisions. On the flip side, uh, obviously you have players who can play your game on multiple devices. Uh, obviously, uh, you may misattribute some players that hey, actually this is a no, not a new player, this is an existing player that logs through a different device, so how to duplicate that and so on. So it, it leads to some inefficiencies. Uh, but obviously, if you want to have, have more framework that counts that into, you need to have an integration with the product, which understands that these players are, are uh, actually uh, from the same account. You need to uh, you, you have another layer of complexity to deal with it. So, so many, many teams choose not to do it. And obviously, then let's say suffer some consequences because of it. And also on the product side, if you look at how the data is gathered, every team, every game, even with the same studio, may choose a different, uh, different, uh, different data model, uh, different data points that they track, the different tools, uh, and and do not really uh, uh, take into account how the changes or this data impact the performance of UA. And this is where we're getting into, into this big conversation that actually was muted before IDFA, and now it's more pronounced, I'd say, uh, that, that, that the changes that you are doing on a product side, uh, generally you can look at, uh, 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 generally you can look at that, hey, I'm monetizing better my existing players. So I'm doing some content and some, some, some well, for, the, for, the, for those players who are with me you know, years and you know, consume all the content and do this stuff. 
but do not necessarily have a big impact on the or no impact on the user acquisition and the new players which are coming in and you cannot attribute them and so on. So 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 how to how to balance this approach and how to make sure that you are not uh, over focusing on the in-game players and you know do not really deliver the the uplift for the new ones. Thus the scalability on the UI suffers and how to how to cope with it because again some again more unorthodox answers to the IDFA problem is that, hey, actually you need to step up your game to monetize with the new players that you are buying. So your margin of error. So the LTV increase in the in whatever day seven, day 28, or what's your, uh, what's your uh, ROAS curve that you optimize for is actually that big enough that it kind of offsets uh, the losses in the precision and the losses in the performance uh, that you're seeing. In the channel, so so I think this is a this is again puts puts a big emphasis for both UA teams and product teams uh, to have a more unified approach to analysis the game as a whole and not having this let's say kind of a disconnected uh, data uh, let's say data sources data management and ultimately doing a different optimizing for different things on different ends of the funnel. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's. Um... It's a great point. Even if I take a step back, is it doesn't matter if you're in UA marketing or growth. You need to have one source of truth, like a place where, first of all, in my view, it's also very important that business users will be able to interact with this data. It's it's not enough to have like a one source of truth system, like a BI system, where you have to be you have to rely on data engineers and analysts that write SQL and Python and uh, and they're the ones, they're the gatekeepers of the data. And you have to wait for this kind of analysis and you can't really explore data in yourself. You have to have a system that even business users that don't know SQL, they don't know how to code, they can interact with the data and answer simple business questions. And um, and I completely agree with you on having the data from the product itself. Um, I think it has to be connected with uh, user acquisition data, even now after... This data doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense to rely only on the data from the MMP because of the deprecation of the IDFA. And I think that uh, the Android ecosystem is uh, going to go a very similar route, um, which brings in uh, uh, the data sources uh, side of the equation, which is looking at App Store Connect data, uh, something that a lot of teams have neglected in the past because when you wanted to see installs, you looked at the MMP. Um, and now, and you saw there, of course, there was a lot of misattribution to organic and it, there's a lot of challenges with uh, the attribution logic and the window and everything. But um, Apps Connect has actually developed a lot in the past, uh, I would say, year or so in terms of the data they provide to you. Um, these days, you can get first-time downloads, re-downloads, by source, by uh, the referring app, the source app that drove the the install um, to your app, and now they're re they're really releasing um, data, uh, cohorted data. You can actually uh, filter out sales data if you monetize through in-app purchases uh, by install date. So you can do really really cool things with that data if you bring it into your system, such as um, it's it's an example more from the ASO side. But if you got featured, for example on a certain date or for two days, uh, you can actually measure the uplift in sales from only from that cohort of users with App Store connected. That's something you could you could never do uh, before because uh, you didn't have this, this granularity of data 
in AppStore Connect, and, and not a lot of teams took that data into their internal BI systems. So on the data source side, I think that uh, the more uh, we move away from user-level data and IDFA and device data on the UI side, <clears throat> the more you need to bring in uh, aggregated data from the only source that makes sense, which is uh, AppStore Connect. So uh, I think that's uh, also something really important for uh, folks to to take from this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm I'm 100% with you. I'm I'm looking forward actually how, as you say, uh, we expect the we expect the Google Play and uh, the Android ecosystem to to again, unfortunately, <laughs> to something very similar. Uh, so so we also need to see how what kind of a data you will be able to to query uh, and to integrate uh, and to take into account uh, building the models on the Android side. And something that, again, I, I cannot stress enough with what we've seen even, even pre-IDFA or whatever, like with the single source of truth is very interesting concept as, uh, you know, working on more than 150 games at this point. Uh, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, we as a, we as a, kind of a business optimization company, we need to start with getting all the business data into one place and making absolutely sure that uh, we, 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 we we trust the data and do some changes. What we were doing, we we tried to cross-check all the sources of data. So even, let's say, some redundancy in the data collection is, is again, topic which, which of, it's, it's like we were preaching for some time, but now it's, now it's even more pronounced. So let's say the revenue, which you track from Firebase and in a purchase data and uh, the stores in aggregated form give you, and on top of that, your MMP partners uh, and the UA channels claim, do they match? And do they match with what kind of a, uh, <laughs> what kind of a precision? We've seen some crazy stuff like, you know, Google Play Store, which kind of sends you the data uh, <laughs> or sends you the money ultimately, and you should kind of believe it. Also, it has some voltages. Sometimes there are errors in the data and sometimes we don't know what's happening. So. So, so, so if you if you count that into into this complexity, uh, that yes, uh, getting uh, getting more aggregated data from sources like Connect is is great. But fun fact, even Apple or Google makes mistakes, and for sure they they, will, <laughs> they are sending you and will send you some data. And if you have no way how to cross check this, uh, you can do whatever you, <laughs> you you do with your power to do the good decision. But ultimately, it may prove that. That that uh, that it's not working, and not because you made a mistake, but somebody uh, from the data set you are unable to to verify independently or cross check with something else. It's giving you uh, it's giving you false negatives or positives uh, where the players are coming from. They are valuable to you. So 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 I think this is also uh, something worth noting that that uh, that what we see then these new ways how to how to acquire players that rely on some very proprietary uh, data sets will be again have some some limitations so 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 it's a good question how much how much at the end you'll be reliant on the platforms themselves that that the only them will have the full picture they will own the UA channel the platform the attribution uh and very scarcely sharing around and how much locked in you will be you know three years from now five years from now like i i could totally see that right now it's it's nothing that <laughs> well it could be a couple of years down the road right for sure, yeah, I think that that's the the way. At least Apple, that's the way they're they're moving here with uh, SK Ad Network as their attribution solution. I'm sure it will evolve and have a lot more data and will be way more reliable as as a solution. Um, I think even with custom product pages that are um, that are launching uh, these days, uh, it's it's supposed to launch every day now. Um, they 
basically enable UA teams um, to do some attribution in, in an aggregated and user uh, private way because uh, you can see sales on a custom product page level and a custom product page, if you configure it correctly, uh, can basically match a campaign or a network or a, sor- a specific source that you choose to because it's basically a unique URL that you choose where, where, it's, um, where you place it. Um, and then you can basically calculate uh, return on ad spend once again uh, in, in a reliable way. So I think they're, they're going there on the UA side. I can also see search ads evolving and I don't know exactly how. There's a lot of uh, theories on how Apple will do it, but I can see search ads evolving to be uh, the biggest ad network uh, there is. Um, if you think about it, don't, they don't need to do a lot. They just need to enable, um, they don't even need an SDK. They just need to release something like Apple ads and like an in-app advertising product for app developers. And then they can, you know, be like a one-stop shop for developers on the iOS ecosystem. Come develop uh, on our ecosystem. It's the largest and more lucrative uh, uh, ecosystem in the world. Um, you're going to get a really easy and, and privacy-first way to monetize your app with in-app ads if you want. You have in-app purchases, of course, uh, and we'll give you all the marketing tools that you need. You won't need an attribution uh, provider because we have a SK ad network and, uh, and, and you'll have a lot of data to perform analyses uh, through App Store Connect. And they're probably going to enable you to take that data in a more easy way to whatever system you use to analyze your performance. So I can see how they will grow to that direction. Um, I want us to talk a bit about in-app purchases because we want to cover that as well. Um, so do you want to start talking about why and when should a game, uh, a game team basically approach uh, in-app purchase monetization and, and what it is in your view? Uh, yeah, so, so, so I think we, we touched a bit in the context of, of the whole maximizing game potential on the first topic, how, how, how you can look at in-app purchases as uh, and uh, how, how to optimize in a different way to achieve different goals. So one thing that, that again, we, we see that uh, uh, more, more game studios and publishers are looking at is to uh, is again focusing a bit more how to how to get the losses or the perceived slow so slower growth in the post IDFA world through something that they have in control or their product or the game which which uh, <clears throat> which again is something that that just uh, you are able to directly uh, uh, to change and and get some uplift again if you focus more on this part but it has also some caveats how to go about it so so first of all we we bit talk uh, before we talk about okay in a purchases um, what kind of a game you have you have a pure uh, driven hyper casual game so how to implement uh, in a purchase economy essentially that that makes sense this is even possible in your title to have some kind of some kind of meta game in in mind or or you need to develop a new title with this in hand. I would I would argue that ultimately for uh, ultimately a game which is resilient to change and whatever you know Apple Google or platforms will throw at us or 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 major UI channels will throw at us you will be kind of nimble and you will could work around the changes that you have in attribution changes that you have in ad monetization because again we've seen some expected uh, changes that how. Uh, what kind of ads uh, will we be able to show on certain platforms at certain times and what kind of frequency will it be? Uh, will it be that, let's say, free or let's say uh, up to the developer uh, like now or, or not like the 
I think the conversation is also that this is something that will change uh, in, in some future. So how do your hypercasual data, which relies just on this, uh, will be able to scale if, if you get suddenly, uh, for whatever reason, limited terrain uh, for that? So again, in purchases, I think it's a hedge against or, or healthy in a economy. Uh, correctly implemented is a hedge against the different uh, different problems or different changes again, in the ecosystem. If you already have in a purchases uh, or in a purchase based economy in your game, so it, it, in, in my mind, is something that it amounts to anywhere between 30 to 100% uh, of your revenue, which probably also should think about a bit of diversifying on the other side. Um, there is a lot of that can be done. Uh, and uh, but the problem with, in my opinion, with in a purchase optimization, that it usually the changes to that requires uh, it are much more expensive than let's say optimization in the top end of the funnel or or within the ads in the game. So this is where you need to be very careful how to how you choose your battles uh, because anything that you that you do with with in apps, whether it's in the special offers or economic changes or introducing new content uh, or you know repackaging the stuff that you have already in game, um, it will take quite a bit of development time probably. Uh, it will take quite a bit of testing time and rollout time, and and ultimately it can actually uh, have even negative impact uh, <laughs> if you because because sometimes it's it's just again non-trivial and unintuitive uh, kind of effects on that. Uh, so maybe some 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 offer special offer that you that you, rules that you imagine will actually cannibalize the core economy and so forth. So this is why I think the in-app purchases are generally harder uh, to optimize or many developers uh, view it uh, this way uh, and it's more expensive to doesn't develop, but I think it's the right time to talk about it as, as this is an avenue of growth that you have still kind of under your control. So, so when we when we roll back to our conversation with the UAI and DFA and the way how the scan network works and how the Google Play will work, in a purchase this early in the game, uh, first 24 or 48 hours, are you able to pull it off? Are you able to design the game, which is able to send uh, to send uh, signals early on and frequently enough so that it actually will help the your user acquisition channel to get you more relevant players? Or you know, uh, again, is your game that uh, that hardcore or, or, or monetizes very, you know, after 14, 20, 30 days, uh, you see the first conversions uh, for your most valuable players. How, how how do you cope with that? So, so the big the, the big topic that 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 I would I would describe is this early game uh, in a purchase optimization. They are specifically catered to the attributed players or somebody that you would buy uh, through the user acquisition channels, and they are they are made in a way. Uh, to convert early and convert more often than before. And this is a completely different strategy than you would use if you would just optimize you know, for any existing player uh, to give you a bigger uplift. So, so you need to also think about where, what is the stage of your title? If you have some level of, of profit WA spend and you think you can improve it, then probably you, you should focus more on this early stage in a, uh, in a purchase optimization uh, techniques to help uh, the, uh, the UA channels to be just more effective in finding new, new players. If you already, the game is, let's say, at the end of your life cycle and you are just hoping to to, to monetize more out of your existing players uh, to improve your PNL, uh, probably uh, you you do not necessarily need to focus on the on the 
on the early stage of the funnel, but actually cater to your existing top players and top defenders. And this is the whole whole another whole game how to how to think about it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, and in terms of, um, it's really cool how you view the, the the connection between the life cycle of the game and where, like early game, mid game, or end game, you focus on with uh, in a purchase monetization. And I think yeah, the connection to to SK Ad Network and basically if you can um, get players to make an in-app purchase early, really early in the game, like in the first 24, 48 hours, um, if you manage to pull it off, it's it's amazing. But I think it's extremely challenging for most games. It's really dependent on the type of the game. I saw actually rare cases where some game companies were managed to pull it off with, with incentive. Like um, one example is like a game where um, basically it, it allows you to to play, I can't really share the name of the game, but basically it, you can play like a mini game and then you win a prize and they ask you, do you want us to ship this prize to you? And then uh, and, th- and then you make an inner purchase because you need to pay for that shipment. I don't know, a really low number just for that shipment. So you want something, we're going to ship it to your home. Just let's make this inner purchase like really early on. And, and I think it uh, that's a really creative way to do it. But uh extremely tough and extremely challenging uh, for most games to get that part uh, done for the purposes of producing a signal to the ad networks and uh, through the conversion values of SK ad network. Um, I want to ask you a bit about techniques and strategies for in-app purchase optimizations. There's manual optimization, rule-based, segmentation, personalization. Um, Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, yes, and, and uh, by the way, thank you, thank you for the for the example. It's a it's a great one. I would also put it in a bit different perspective. This early game uh, monetization optimization, because in my mind, in this new world, it's also about the new games and the new products that you're uh, that you're about to develop. That I think you should bear in mind that uh, you know uh, the decision making, which 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 product would have. A bigger potential or some higher scalable potential right now will also depend are you able to monetize early enough we've seen uh, you know you have genres which are able to pull it off uh, I, would, I would i would definitely highlight uh, i would definitely highlight for example simulation or early or or, or some of the strategy subgenres or even merge or kind of this kind of casual midcore genres who are able to to give you a lot of value early on uh, with a simple enough core loop that you can understand soon enough and, and you know give you this boost in uh, 24, 48 hours. And, and again, it gives you a leg up among any other titles uh, which are unable to pull it off in this in this UA optimization game. So, so I think it also uh, gets an interesting, let's say, question or challenge for product teams that are designing a new game, how to how to how to count into account that uh, that yeah the, the 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 way how you would do how early are you able to monetize on the in apps would also kind of help you or limit the scalability and the way and the way how you how you would go about the in app so so first of all you will need uh, any kind of optimization we talk about you need to have a healthy economy or healthy portion or non trivial portion of in apps in your game until you have that. Nothing that you would do on the optimization side would really matter because you know if if the game is making whatever ten thousand on in apps per month, even if you double it, it's you know for twenty k, it's probably not worth an effort. So first of all, you need to have a healthy portion at a healthy scale uh, of in apps to to do anything about. So until until you are there, 
uh, there's not really uh, not really uh, you should shouldn't really focus on 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 any of any of other stuff. But once you hit there, that hey, actually I have a healthy economy which goes well within my core loop and with my meta game. So uh, so I see that the player is able to 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 regularly repeatedly spend money uh, for for. For, for some amount of time that I see it in my wasp or, or, or in my quoted views that I had some healthy growth uh, and I have enough content so it lasts more than whatever <laughs> we amount or, or so, then you are in a position that, okay, I'm, am I able to get some extra uh, extra value out of this? Uh, and uh, the, the way how, how you usually would go about it is that, uh, first of all, um, on top of your core economy and core game plan, you will probably implement some kind of offers, right? Uh, so uh, probably you, you may start with some simple ones, so whatever, all starter pack for all players for five bucks. No. Okay, fine. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you make it, you can actually mess up even at this stage. If you, if you uh, give a too big of a discount and give too much of a premium or software receipt to the player, you may cannibalize your economy. And after initial spike, you can actually <laughs> lose more <laughs> than you gain. And I would I would like to quote uh, Google's own research into this. Uh, they call they call it hangover uh, analysis. Even in top 250 grossing, I think there were like 20 or 30 percent games that were able to do this net negative uh, sales uh, <laughs> on their content when they're discounted. Just too much, and and although the spike on the day looks uh, look look very great, even Google on this aggregated data could see that the that the value after was bigger than the spike. So so you could you essentially lost the money. So this is where you need to start uh, start be kind of smart about it. And and I would say there are a bunch of general rules. I would I would quote first of all is uh, don't discount too much. Uh, discount should be as little as possible, and do not really. Uh, I'm not really big fan of of of, of massive discounts, especially when it messes with the in-game economy. So massive dis discounts of, of premium or soft currency is usually usually a bad idea. Um, what you would probably focus on, and this is where you're going through this uh, sophistication or added value for the player from this uh, manual uh, uh, manual offers to, uh, to rule-based segmented or to personalized, is that how good are you in figuring out what the player actually wants and how much is he able to afford uh, to get the content? And this is where I think it goes extremely well with the whole user experience because you know, uh, you uh, game is a, a game is a digital <laughs> digital product. You are able to actually track quite a bit of a player's behavior. You know your game. Uh, you are able to probably figure out that what drives the purchases of generally in the game or what is the intent, what's the stage of the game where the player is, um, what is relevant content for him, especially if you have, if you are in a content-heavy game or whatever, RPG strategy and so on, and then help the player to uh, to to not to uh, to fool himself and buy these so-called loot traps that many games just offer something which is not relevant. The player will buy them, find out that it's they just spend whatever, uh, 5, 10, 20 bucks on something that has literally no value and doesn't help them progress and actually may even stop uh, paying or playing. So something that actually helps them, actually gives them value, actually doesn't cannibalize the economy and improves the the 
the the conversion for the next purchase. So so I think this is where we're going in this interesting territory that where where the in a purchase optimization you need to take into account the cannibalization. You need to uh, take into account longer term impact than just the the day you you show the offer, and you also need to show the the payment retention. So what's the conversion for the next purchase compared to the previous one? So you start getting this. This this uh, non this model where you where you have uh, many different metrics to track about each stuff. So so obviously it gets quite a bit complicated if you think about it. How to go about this test? How many players to try about? And you know every test can be actually worse if <laughs> make your monetization worse. So so how to how to limit the damage to minimal amount of players before you know you roll it out to to everyone. So so this is where the methodology actually shines. That if you have a if you have a good uh, playbook, how to go about it, and how to maximize this this action as you go for it. You're absolutely able to to just grow uh, grow faster and in a more safe way than if you would just do uh, you know some ad hoc changes here and there and and hope and look at this and be happy with spikes uh, and so forth. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think that to me, there's like two really good takeaways here. One of them is around, uh, it actually connects back to the early game um, in-app purchase optimization. Because if you try to like force it, you can you can get a lot of players pissed. Like they, they yes, you got an in-app purchase early on. But as you said, the content wasn't, val- maybe it wasn't valuable even yet because they didn't get to know the core loop of the game and they didn't form a habit of playing the game just yet. So they don't really feel uh, the value of, of that, uh, that in-app purchase. But... I don't know, you made a heavy discount, you somehow created the incentive for them to make a purchase and you got it, but you ruined their monetization down the road because the conversion rate for the next purchase uh, tanked because they didn't appreciate that and they stopped paying or playing, as you said. Um, so understanding the, that there is a trade-off in everything that you do, basically everything you do in marketing has a trade-off, but the trade-off here is uh, extremely important to take, uh, to take a note, note of. And um, that that was my uh, first takeaway. And the second takeaway is that, like, and going back to the beginning of the conversation, when you look at the entire funnel or the entire, uh, uh, yeah, the entire funnel of the game, um, you don't only have to solve uh, the the early part of the top of the funnel, the UA or the first time user experience, and how do you improve that part of the game. Um, or just the in-app purchase parts. You can basically work on all of them. And then if you, let's say in these days, if you suffer the hit from uh, the IDFA uh, the IDFA deprecation and all of that, uh, you can solve it not only with one of these pillars by, by improving all of these steps of the funnel and monetizing better, getting uh, more players onboarded with uh, a great first-time user experience, and then uh, improving the UA funnel as we talked in the beginning. So uh, that's an, another great takeaway to look at the entire funnel. Uh, we're running a bit out of time. So I just want to ask you a few questions uh, that we ask all of our guests. So the first one is uh, if you could give this one tip to an aspiring uh, mobile growth marketer uh, that want to join a team today, what would it be? Uh, yeah, so I would definitely uh, join it. So to become a growth marketer, you have a bunch of uh, bunch of problems you need to solve. First of all, you need to have a good product <laughs> with a lot of with like reasonably amount of players and 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 a budget to, to to play with. So 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 and 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 still, unfortunately, it's not something that you can do 
on your own probably uh, unless you have like a whatever top 500 grossing title in your <laughs> in your drawer you can play with uh, so yeah so definitely look at look at look at the team uh, look at the look at the opportunities to learn uh, because this is everything is about learning and everything is and you know Growth magic specifically, you need a product that is marketable. If you have, <laughs> if you have a bad product, you know, there's nothing we can do. You know, I, I'm an analyst, and you know, I couldn't fix a broken, broken game. So this is why we need a good product, good team, opportunity to learn, and opportunity to also fail uh, in that sense. So, 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 so it's hard to do it on your own or learn just from blogs or, or podcasts. You need to, you need to try it with your hands. So. So yeah, I would optimize definitely above anything else. Uh, this great advice. Um, and for folks in in that are uh, already in the industry today, um, who like who do you uh, learn from? Like, what's your favorite mobile growth or mobile uh, marketing resource? What do you read? So, and, and this is this is a great one. So my greatest resource is LinkedIn. Uh, literally, uh, because if you if you start uh, connecting with the with the leaders in the industry, influencers, they they started sharing uh, some of the content from again various podcasts, blogs, their own stuff, or just snippets, or or, or, or there's a great conversation beneath that. So 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 actually, I wouldn't even uh, pick one specific podcast, although obviously what Sermon does is great, and we have a bunch of other examples, uh, right? That it's, it's worth following. But but yeah, like actually, I'm a fan of uh, well curated LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn feed. I, I definitely, I, I actually have a dedicated time when I when I go to LinkedIn and try to try to interact. This is also what I love when you can interact with the um, with the content, uh, not just uh, not just uh, not just read it. So so LinkedIn, you share a blog, you share a podcast you liked, you write some comments uh, and and ask a question. And in your comment, some other uh, some, some other uh, very knowledgeable people can 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 give you some some of their uh, point of view. So so yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, 100%. Awesome. And uh, because we're all about pancakes here at uh, Mobile Growth and Pancakes, uh, what's your favorite flavor of pancake? As a uh, strawberry cream. Strawberry cream. <laughs> That's good. Uh, cool. So, uh, and lastly, work. If you people want to chat with you, reach out to you, work with you, um, talk to you in any way, where can they uh, find you? Yeah. Or LinkedIn. Uh, so, <laughs> LinkedIn, easy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Uh, Ivan at superscale.com. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to, to reach me. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I'd love uh, I'd love to interact also within the framework of, of LinkedIn. I think it's a it's a un, bit underrated, let's say source maybe for 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 some. But for me, it's number one. Cool. So uh, if anyone listening to this want to work on maximizing the game's uh, business potential and uh, working with Ivan and the team or optimizing in a purchases or anything that relates to growing your games, uh, feel free to reach out to him. Uh, Ivan, thank you very much for doing this. This was a pleasure. Um, I learned a lot. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Uh, likewise, I learned a lot as well. I love how you, how you put it in perspective from, from your side. So so. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, looking forward to get this live. <laughs> yeah, talk to you soon. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
in Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Stormhaven, thanks for listening.